good morning. Look at you brave ones. If you would, stand up and let's sing together. I stand amazed. You can't sing it sitting down because you're standing amazed, not sitting amazed. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. Sing it out. Give the Lord a clap over it. Amen. I'm so glad you braved the weather. So glad you're here. You know, I, I was telling the band, I said, it don't matter today whether five show up or 500. Uh, our job is to be faithful. Amen. And I can tell you this morning, 
I'm going to give you both barrels, amen, so I'm glad you got here this morning, amen, and if you're watching on video, you didn't get out of it, because I'm going to give you both barrels right down the video too, amen, but uh, we came here, we're going to praise him either way, we get up, the sun's shining, we praise him, we get up, the sun's not shining, we praise him, we get up and it's 80 degrees, we praise him, we get up and it's 20 degrees, we praise him, amen, because that's what we do, amen, so we praise you, let's sing it together if you would, all right, here we go. One, two, three, four. Come on, put your hands.
I hope that's your attitude, and I hope that you can put a smile on your face. Because if you're saved and if you're breathing this morning, God's been good to us. Amen. He's been better to us than we deserve. And so I want you to tell somebody this morning. Tell somebody it's good to see you this morning. God loves you. Let's just greet one another real quickly in the Lord, and then we'll continue on. All right. your place. You can be seated. We got just a few announcements this morning. First of all, uh, we want to, we don't want to embarrass anybody, but we do want a record of your visit. We got any visitors in the house, raise your hand. I know we got one, Brother Keith Bond. Brother Keith Bond and I went to high school together. Uh, I will tell stories on him, but he's not allowed to tell stories on me from high school. Amen. But Brother Keith Bond, man, it's good to see you, brother. I'm so glad you're here. Amen. Uh, fill that card out. Put that in the uh, offering basket on your way out. We're so glad uh, to have everybody here. Uh, bring somebody with you next week. I know maybe this weekend wasn't a great weekend because, uh, you know, Baptists, uh, we, uh, we're made out of sugar, and we don't get wet, and we don't get cold. Amen? But uh, guess what? I think you have braved. If I can see out that window okay, I think we're okay. Amen? I don't see a snowmageddon just yet. All right. Um, listen, uh, just a few uh, thing about volunteers. As 2024 started, it's the same story as 2023. Uh, we always need more volunteers. And so uh, we need volunteers for our yard team and cleaning teams. Yard team, it's not quite as uh, uh, bad during the winter because we don't have to do it as often. Uh, but we, uh, so that we, the church doesn't have to pay somebody to come and uh, mow all this property and edge all this property, uh, we have a yard team. Uh, if you can help with that, see me and let me know. Uh, then cleaning teams, we also have teams that clean the church uh, every week so that we don't have to pay somebody to do that. And so if you can volunteer on those, our goal is to keep, uh, keep that staffed with volunteers where you only have to do it once a month. But that only happens if we have enough volunteers. So uh, please volunteer if you can uh, to help us once a month with that. Uh, uh, always, again, uh, needing help in children's ministry. We have a wonderful uh, Wednesday night program. And uh, we need helpers. We always need help. Uh, it, you say, well, I'm not a teacher. You don't need to be a teacher. Uh, if you can corral kids just like herding cats, uh, we need you, amen, because we need some herding of cats uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, but come and help us. We, uh, we have a great bus ministry. It brings kids in and teenagers in on Wednesday night. And so we always need more help. Uh, don't forget to celebrate recovery. Uh, uh, Y'all know I'm there every Monday night at the one at Green Acres. Uh, it's for anybody with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Not just habits, it's hurts and hang-ups. If you've been hurt, if you've been wounded, uh, if you're struggling with something, if you're struggling to get past something, 
Uh, that's what it's all for. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they just said, you know, I, I don't really struggle with drugs or alcohol. And for some reason, that's, what, that's the only reason people think they need to go. But listen, uh, you, you, there's all kinds of hurts. And if you're struggling getting past something, uh, you need something like Celebrate Recovery. There's uh, brochures on the back. Uh, just let me know. You can text me. Let me know you're coming. I'll meet you at the door on Monday nights. Excuse me. This is why I have her, see? Because they have already canceled it for tomorrow night. So uh, let me say, don't show up tomorrow night, all right? Uh, and I won't be there tomorrow night because uh, nobody will be there tomorrow night. But any other Monday night, show up, all right? Uh, they kind of pride themselves on never canceling either, but that was, uh, that was the call because it's supposed to be bad Monday night. Uh, we will have movie night this month on January 28th. That will also be my birthday, so feel free to bring gifts. Um, it's a $1,000 uh, limit on that, so don't spend over 1000 all right? Uh, free popcorn. This is oh, Jared's. That's, that's Jared's birthday, too. Yes. Yeah, all right. They're 20 uh, years apart. We are exactly 20 years apart. You want to see what the good starts off like, and then this is how you end up. <laughs> Jared, I'm sorry. This is how you end up, brother. At least, At least you got you your got hair. The, you don't have the gray got, yet. This is a real color, by the way. This is the real color. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> Churchwide Super Bowl party, Sunday, February 11th. Cowboys are going to be there. Yeah. In the Super Bowl. Yeah. Hey, all, all things are possible with God. Amen. That's right. So maybe the Cowboys will be there. Maybe they won't. But regardless <laughs> of who's in there, we're going to have a Super Bowl party here at the church. Uh, but JT, I know we lined that up last year. Can we ha line that up again, brother? He says we're good, all right. So we're going to be showing the Super Bowl in here on these screens. We're going to have food. We'll just have a big party, all right. Uh, so that will be on February the 11th. I think that is everything. I'm, again, I'm so glad you guys braved the cold and came out. And uh, so let's stand. We're going to worship the Lord. Then I'm going to send you on home before it gets too bad, all right. This is my testimony. Anybody in here got a testimony? Uh, if you're saved, you should have a testimony. Amen. I always tell people, you know, I don't know how to tell somebody about Jesus. All you got to do is tell them what he did in your life. Amen. And that's your testimony. So let's sing that together. All right, here we go. One, two, three, four. Put your hands together. Satan fall like lightning. I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven. Amen. I believe in signs and wonders. I have resurrection power.
the sons and daughters Caught with blood and washed in water Sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father Our God will finish what He started Yes, our God will finish what He started yeah. This is my testimony from dead to life, those grace rewrote my story, I'll testify, by Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified, this is my testimony, this is my testimony, this is my testimony, thank you Lord. Come on, keep on going. Sing this. If you're not dead, then you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, then you're not done. That's right. Come on. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, then you're not done. Greater things. Greater things are still to come. excited amen well guess what he is more than able I don't know what you're going through today but I I'm here to testify to you today whatever you're going through God's in control he can handle it he is more than able you may say well brother Mark you don't know what I'm going through that's true but guess what? We have a tendency to isolate ourselves sometimes and think nobody is going through what I'm going through. And that is true to a certain point. Nobody's going through exactly what you're going through. But everybody in this room is going through something. May not be what you're going through. But here's what I know today. What I'm going through is no worse than what you're going through. And so what I find is when I take my eyes off of myself and I forget what I'm going through, and I reach out to help you to go what you're going through, all of a sudden, my problems, they don't go away. 
they just tend to shrink back and I realize maybe I don't have it quite as bad as I think I do. Maybe my struggle, maybe God can handle it. And I'm not telling you, listen, here's the, here's the reality of life. We live in a sinful and a broken world and bad things happen to good people. Now some of it, we have dug our own hole. And sometimes we expect God to just show up and just miraculously one day just dig us out of the hole that we spent years digging that hole. Can I tell you how the Lord operates? The Lord does not necessarily miraculously drag you out of that hole in one day. Many times he, it took you years to dig that hole. And many times God will show up with a shovel and he'll give you the shovel and he'll say, here's what I need you to do. And it may take the same amount of years you dug the hole, but I need you to take the shovel and I need you to dig yourself out of the hole. I'm going to talk about that today. You know, we talk about all the time about, I'm trying. Lord, I'm trying. But did you know today, trying's not enough. Trying don't mean nothing. You know what changes your life? Trying don't change your life. Doing changes your life. Amen? Trying is not going to... You know what I get from people? And this is because I'm the preacher. Well, you know, I hadn't seen you at church in a while. You going to be there Sunday? Well, I'll sure try, preacher. Do you think I don't know what the percentage of possibility is that you're going to show up on Sunday, actually? When you tell me, oh, I, I, I'll try, preacher. I know more than likely you ain't going to show up. Because it ain't about trying. Talk is cheap. It ain't about trying. It's about doing. Amen. So I'm getting ahead of myself. That's the sermon. Don't want to give it to you too early. Amen. But I do want to tell you today that God is more than able to meet your very need. Let's sing that together, all right? Thank you, Lord. 
just thank you this morning, God, for your word. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. God, how you love on us. God, how your son paid the price for his father. Lord, may we never take that for granted, what you've done for us, Jesus. Lord, our prayer this morning, God, is that we would grow closer to you, God. Lord, that we would see ourselves in the mirror of how we need to make that change, God, to be more like you, Father. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here, Lord, that doesn't know you personally on a personal relationship, God, to trust you, that you're able to do anything in our, in our life, Father, that they would come to, you, to know you today, Father. Lord, just have your way in this place. Do a work in our hearts this morning. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more clap offering. 
Amen. You can be seated. I uh, don't know. I didn't see how many children we got. We got children at the Nimble Children's Church. You need some children's church. All right. Well, we got the little kids who are going to go over there, and uh, big kids can go over there. Oh, they're already out the door over there. Miss Tracy, you better hurry. <laughs> Miss Tracy's caught in her own scarf. Run, Miss Tracy, run. <laughs> Amen. Well, I kind of already gave you the sermon title. I got ahead of myself, amen, but I'm just so full. Brother Mark, why are you full today? Well, I've done two funerals this week, so uh, I need to get fired up, amen? Because I'm here to tell you, here's what we need to understand. Uh, whenever I do multiple funerals in a week, um, I'm kind of, that's that's where I'm at all week. And uh, what I get reminded of during those times is, Life is very short, isn't it? Life is very short. I said in both of those funerals, I've unfortunate part of my job that I don't enjoy is many times I'm at people's deathbeds. And can I tell you what I've heard at deathbeds? I've never heard one person at a deathbed say, whew, that was so long. I am so glad this is almost over. I've never heard anybody say that. I have heard people say, I'm tired of hurting. I want to go home. I want to see my loved ones. I have heard all that, but I've never heard anybody say, you know, that, that life was just way too long. You know what I have heard way a lot on deathbeds? Where did that time go? That was way too short. Even people that live 70, 80, 90s into their 90s, they still say, I don't know where all that time went. It just went so quickly. And see, that's straight out of Scripture because Scripture tells us that life is but a vapor. You know what a vapor is? Anybody in here vape or smoke? <laughs> Don't raise your hands. That was a rhetorical question. But for all you smokers out there, and I know we ain't got none here at Landmark, but let me just tell you anyway. Uh, for all you smokers out there, when you go, that smoke kind of comes out. And then it just kind of dissipates, doesn't it? And it's gone. It's gone. That's what the Bible says that our life is like. It's here for a moment. And it's gone. And that's how quickly it happens. Life is but a vapor. And so I told people those funerals, I said, you know, most of us don't want to think about our own mortality. And most of us don't think about our own mortality until we're faced with somebody else's mortality. And so I always give the gospel at funerals. Why? Because it's the one time that everybody in that room, and most of them probably, I can tell you probably most of them, they don't go to church. A lot of them aren't Christians. And so I share with it. This is the one time you got to listen to me. And this is the one time in your whole life you cannot escape that you're going to die. I can promise you, unless the Lord comes back, everybody in this room is going to die. So the question is not, am I going to die? The question is, when are you going to die? And are you ready at all times? Because it's guaranteed. The Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And guess what? There's an appointment, and you don't have anything to do with that appointment. You don't get to change the appointment. You don't get to set the appointment. God sets that appointment. And you don't know when it is. So how should we live our lives? Here's what Scripture also says. You should live your lives as if every moment might be your last. Amen? You must be ready at all times. So the question is, and I'm kind of in funeral mode, so I'm just going to give you a little bit of my funeral preaching. 
There is a, on your tombstone, there'll be a day you were born, and then later on, they'll, put, they'll etch the date on there that you died. Do you know that neither one of those dates are what's really important? What's really important, I know you probably heard this before, is the dash. What did you do with that dash? How did you live your life? You see, you only get one life. And many of us, we're getting closer to the end of that. And I only get one life, and I only get to do it around one time. And so it's important. I don't waste any time. It's important that I don't just keep making the same mistakes over and over again. You ever feel like your life is just one big cycle, and you just keep repeating that same cycle over and over again? There's a reason. We're going to talk about that this morning. Because most of us, we're trying. We're trying. Lord, I'm trying. But I can tell you, and it's right there on the screen, you don't change by trying. You don't change by trying. Most of us, that's our problem. We just keep trying. We just keep trying to do better. We just keep trying to do the right thing. We just keep trying. And the bottom line is this. We don't need to try. We need to do. Well, Brother Mark, explain to me what you mean. I'm so glad you said that. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 9, 24. And it says this. This is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. So Paul is comparing the spiritual life to a race. Now, how many of you in here, you in here are extremely competitive? Julie Trammell, raise your hand. Extremely competitive. We used to play racquetball, and uh, we got pretty good in our younger days. We... We played racquetball a lot, and uh, you know, I don't want to brag, but I was pretty good, amen. Julie was pretty good. And every once in a while, Julie would beat me, and it was a good day when Julie would beat me. It, it, it made her day, amen, because we all, especially if you're very competitive, we all like to win. Now, I know that we live in a culture that says, Everybody gets a participation trophy, and everybody's winners. We don't keep score here because everybody's a winner. I grew up in a day and time where there was definitely a winner, amen? There was losers and there was winners, amen? Now, I'm not here to advocate that winning is everything, but I am here to tell you, in the spiritual life, winning is everything. And what Paul, Paul's backing me up on this because Paul's saying everybody runs a race, and everyone is run, running to receive the prize, and only one will receive the prize. And you need to run in such a way, and if you read the New Living Translation, it says, run in such a way that you may win it. All right? So run in such a way that you're going to win. The goal in the spiritual life is to win, to be a winner. What is it to win? Well, I want to hear when I die and to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. I want to hear these words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. And if I hear those words, that's a win. Amen. And so Paul is comparing this life, this Christian life, to this race. Now, notice several things in this scripture right here. Paul didn't say run to finish. Many of us think, well, I'm just going to keep doing what I like, and I'm going to keep making myself happy. Till the day I die. Would you just go on about your business and do that? Let me know how that works out for you when you stand before Jesus. Because it is not about you. 
It's not about me. Many of us in this culture today, we have a false theology, and we think that God is all about my happiness. Can I tell you this? That is false prophecy. That's false theology. That's false everything. God is not about your happiness. I hear, as the preacher, you hear all sorts of crazy things. Well, Brother Mark, I believe, you know, I, I believe I'm divorced. I found this other woman at work, and she makes me happy. She tells me my feet don't stink. She tells me I'm so pretty, and I do everything right. And so I, I feel like the Lord wants me. Surely the Lord wants me to be happy, and I'd be happier married to this woman. So I'm going to divorce that woman, and I'm going to run over here, and I will marry that woman. <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid. Amen. God, that, that, you can't back that up with Scripture at all. That's the first thing I usually say. Uh, can you quote that Scripture for me? Because it ain't in there. God is not a, Did you know that God has one purpose for you and one purpose for me? And it is stated out in the Bible. And it's that you may glorify the Father. That's what your purpose is. That's not, that's not to your happiness. That's not to your comfort. That's not even always to your peace. Sometimes the way the Lord is glorified in your life is by you going through a hard time, by you going through a trial and a tribulation, and by you growing and maturing. Can I tell you the only way you mature is when you have to? I've seen this time and time and time again. I used to work with youth back in the day when I was a younger man. And one of the things I noticed was, was that people all the time, uh, kids would grow up, and they'd graduate high school, and somebody had done something for them all their life, and they go out for the first time to live on their own. And all of a sudden, if mom and daddy are the type to say, when you leave here, you're on your own. Well, guess what? If you are in that situation, you got to grow up real quick. You get out there on your own, and the bills are in your name, and you got to pay for the car, you got to pay for the gas, you got to do all these things. And all of a sudden, you got to mature really quickly. Here's what I've discovered. Most people don't grow or mature until they have to. Do you know if that kid moves out and you pay their rent and you pay their car payment and you do everything and when they get in jail, you go and bail them out and uh, every little thing that happens, you just go and you pay for it. Do you know what? You still got a child on your hands. That person will not become an adult until they are forced to. Well, how do you know that, Brother Mark? Because, dummy, I was one, too. And I'm here to tell you, when, when I got out of school and I was done, now my parents made a deal with me, as long as you're going to school, uh, you know, we'll, we'll help you, we'll pay for it. But guess what? I hadn't even finished school yet, and I decided in all my great wisdom to ask that woman to marry me. And my daddy had a little sit-down with me. He said, okay, I know the deal we made, but guess what? You hadn't finished school yet. But if you do this, you have just walked into adulthood, my friend. And you and that woman, you're on your own. You know, I'll be here. I'll be a safety net. But pretty much, you're on your own. And guess what? I, we had to learn it real quick. We had to learn the ropes real quick. We had to learn. And every once in a while, I had to call my daddy. I didn't like it. But I had to call my daddy. Say, Daddy, uh, how do I do this car insurance thing? Uh, Daddy, uh, you know, how, how do I go buy an old beater car, you know, if I don't have the cash for it? I, I need somebody to loan me. How, how do I do this? Or, then, you know, we, we bought our first house. I had to call my dad. Daddy, how do you go about buying a house? 
My daddy was very patient. He helped me. He didn't do it for me, but he told me what to do. And he got him. He mentored me, and he helped me to mature. Hello. This is what all of us need to be doing. You don't need to be trying. You need to be doing. And the best way to learn to do is to find you somebody that mentors you and will lead you into adulthood. Many of you, I watch you, and you make stupid, stupid decisions. And guess what? I ain't saying I ain't made my share of them. I have made my share of them. And you learn from them. But here's what I need you to understand. If you're going to stop making stupid decisions, you have to take action. And you have to do, and you have to change it. And you don't change it by trying. You change it by taking action and doing. And saying, I need somebody to show me. Now, I could have been prideful and arrogant, and I could have said, I ain't calling my daddy. I'm just going to figure this out on my own. And I would have stumbled and fallen all over myself and probably would not have gotten through all those things. And when it got hard, what would I have done? I just gave up. I said, well, I don't guess we're meant to do that then. And I would have just gave up. You see, trying leads to giving up. Again, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me stop there. Um, the great theologian Ricky Bobby said, if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> Why is that? Why in so many areas of his life do you feel like you're not winning? Do you ever feel like you're not winning? I'm not winning spiritually. I'm not where I want to be spiritually. I'm not winning financially because I can't seem to get my financial house in order. I'm not winning uh, relationally because my marriage is a mess or my relationships are a mess. I'm not winning mentally because I'm always depressed. I've always got anxiety. I'm always messed up. Now, the reality is, one of those areas probably hits all of us, if not all of those areas hit all of us, all right? So here's what I'm going to do today. I'm not your daddy, but I'm going to try to talk to you like your daddy a little bit today, all right? Because this whole thing about power to change that we've been on, it don't just happen. You have to be intentional to change things in your life. Otherwise, you're just going to keep repeating the same bad cycles over and over and over again. So I'm going to talk to you like your daddy. Probably nobody in here is going to like me. Probably ain't going to be nobody smiling by the end. But I'm going to talk to you like your daddy because my daddy talked to me like this. And we all need to hear it. Now, I'm going to talk to you more on a spiritual level, but this really goes for all areas of life. Amen. You've been trying for too long. God, I try to pray, but I just, I don't ever seem to have time. Lord, I try to be more patient with my kids, but Lord, you don't own my kids. Lord, I, I try to not procrastinate but I just keep hitting the snooze button. Lord, I try not to spend more than I make, but boy, it sure does look good on the, on the internet. Lord, I, I, I mean to go to bed at a decent time on Saturday night because I have good intentions to be in church. Hello on video. I, we all have good intentions, amen? But trying is not going to cut it. Like I said, when I see somebody out and I say, I, I hope I see you at church tomorrow, well, Brother Mark, I'll try. That, I, I can almost guarantee you that person will not be there on Sunday. But I'll tell you what, when they tell me, you know what, Brother Mark, I'm going to be there. That's a totally different answer. That means I've made up my mind. I just committed to you, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to be there. And I know if the person says it that way, there's a 99% chance they're actually going to show up. So what's the difference? It's, really, it's not what comes out of here. 
That's what's going on up here. Amen? So you must make up your mind. I'm going to do it. You see, you need to stop trying and start training. This is what um, Paul was talking about. You see, here's a little bit of background. Here's a little bit of history. This is out of 1 Corinthians. Paul was writing to the church at Corinth. Do you know where Corinth was? Corinth was in Greece. And do you know what happened in Greece? Every four years, it's what we know today as the Olympic Games, and it was started a long, long time ago. And it started even before Jesus' time. And so the Olympic Games were held every four years uh, in, in Greece. So he's talking to a city that knows about competition and knows about athletes. And so, again, just he, Paul learned this from Jesus. Know your crowd and just adjust how you speak to them. Oh, what did Jesus, when he talked to farmers, he used a farming analogy. When he talked to fishermen, he used a fishing analogy. So Paul now says, all right, I'm in a, I'm in a city that knows what competition is, knows what the, the Olympic games are. So I'm going to use an analogy of an athlete because probably living in Corinth were many athletes who participated in those games, all right? So Paul's race metaphor was used in Greece where the Olympic games were held every four years. And he talked about it this way. Now I want you to look at the rest of the verses because it changes everything. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 now. So we're going to read the first verse, but then we're going to keep going. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Or that word also means controlled, self-control, self-discipline. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we do it for an imperishable crown that's going to last forever. All right? 26. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. In other words, if I'm going to get in there and I'm going to be in the boxing competition for the Olympics, I ain't going in there to just shadow box. I'm going in there to really box somebody. All right? And then 27 says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So he talks about training, like an athlete, discipline. Here's what an athlete has to do. Do you know what it takes to be in the Olympics? Anybody here ever been in the Olympics, by the way? All right. Brian, you sure? You haven't been there? Okay. Uh, we've all, you know, that's... It's a very small crowd. It's a very small club that people who get to be in the Olympics. But it's a great deal of sacrifice. Do you know what an Olympic athlete has to do? They have to train and self-discipline, eat all the right foods, get up and train every day for four years. And then every four years, the Olympic Games happen, and it's over a span of about two weeks. So you spend four years training for a little two-week window to try and win the prize. That's a lot of discipline, isn't it? Now, they will tell you, if I could have found an Olympic athlete, I would have brought him here and interviewed him, but I couldn't find one in Tyler, Texas. Uh, there probably is one. I just couldn't find them. But I would have interviewed that athlete and said, uh, what, what happens if you just say, I don't feel like training today? You got a coach, and they would be all over you. And that coach is there to mentor you and to hold you accountable. Now, here, I'm going to use a dirty word, but I'm going to talk to you like your daddy. The problem with most of us is, we don't have any accountability in our life. We don't have any accountability in our life. 
I come from a generation, and my daddy's generation, probably your daddy's generation, your word was your what? Your bond. And if I told you I was going to do something, by golly, you could bank on it, I'm going to be there. That's kind of gone by the wayside, hasn't it? But your word was your bond. So I'm here to tell you today, if you say you're going to do something, do it. Be accountable. Part of the reason when you go to a, a Celebrate Recovery or one of those type programs and you get up and you say this. My name's Mark, and I struggle with alcohol, or I struggle with drugs, or I struggle with pornography, what, whatever the case may be. And I'm in recovery for this. And you don't say, I'm recovered. It is, even if you've been 20 years down the road, you still say, I am in recovery for. And the reason they have you do that is because it is a landmark moment the first, person, the first time a person stands up and out of their own mouth says, I am an alcoholic. I am a drug addict. Because the Bible talks about confession. With the mouth, confession is made. So healing can't begin until confession is made. But you know what confession also does? I've just shared with this whole group of people now that I struggle in this area. And so at that moment, I have just made myself accountable to all of you. And when you enter into one of those programs, accountability is a huge part of it. And you have just said that, and you are admitting, and now everybody there knows you struggle with that and is going to hold you accountable. And then they ask you to find an accountability partner. Somebody that will every day call you or, or every other day call you and ask you the hard questions. How are you doing? Have you had a drink today? How are you doing today? Are you struggling? Did you struggle any this week? And guess what? You can lie, but accountability does no good if you lie. Accountability only does good if you're going to be honest with yourself and honest with that person you're accountable to. But this is how you grow. This is how you mature. This is how you change. Whatever you struggle in, and again, none of you are going to like this. But if you struggle in an area, find you somebody who's a little further down the road that has found victory in that area and become accountable to them. And then ask them the hard questions, how do I get out of this? Maybe you have trouble with spending. How do I get my financial house in order? And they're going to show you, but guess what? It's still your choice whether you do it or not. It's still your choice whether you're going to do it or just say, well, I'll try. Now, if that's your attitude, don't even bother. Well, I, I'll try. I'll, I'll try not to drink. I'll, I'll try not to do that. I'll, I'll try not to swipe that card online. I'll, I'll try not to click buy. I'll, I'll try not to do this. I'll try not to. If, if all you do is try, just shut up and don't even, don't even go there. Because you must make up your mind. Just like these athletes, they have to make up their mind. I am committing to this for four years so that I can go and I can win the prize. Listen, if you're going to make a change in your life, you got to make up your mind you're going to do it. And it ain't just about trying. It's you've got to do it. Amen? Um, athletes disciplined and training for four years. Scripture never tells us to try to be godly. It says we must exercise and train to be godly. So I'm going to compare some of this stuff to the spiritual realm. What's the difference in trying and training? Now, again, get your steel toe boots on because I'm going to step on your toes and I'm going to step on my toes. Here's what number one is. Trying is an attempt to change with minimal commitment. 
That's why most of us say, well, I'll try. I'll try. I really will try. No, you won't. No, you won't. Because trying is simply an attempt to change, but I don't want to commit to anything. I just had some marriage counseling with some people, and they're already divorced. And the husband was trying to make it work. But guess what? It takes two to mess one up. It takes two to fix one. And so we had lunch the other day, and I said, how are you doing, man? How are you doing after all the divorce and everything? And he says, well, you know, it's just been hard. He said, I feel like, you know, when it came time to do the work, my wife didn't want to do the work. She liked the fun part of being married, and she liked the, the fun trips and the, the honeymoon. Can I tell you all this? Getting married's fun. Honeymoon's awesome. But guess what? We all know this. You've been married. Honeymoon's quickly over. Amen. Reality sets in. And what starts off in your marriage is, whoo, 75% fun. Oh, yeah, we got to work a little. 25% work. What happens 10 years of marriage down the road? That fun comes down here, and the work starts to get longer. And then you're married 40 years. And the fun gets even smaller, and the work gets longer. Because this person, I've been living with them for 40 years, and they drive me crazy. They're nuts. All their little things, they drive me crazy. And I'm here to, that's, that'll happen. You, you live with somebody 40 years, their stuff will drive you crazy. I could tell you things about Julie Trammell. She ain't got nothing to tell on me. No, that is not, that is not true. But, you know, those little things that were so endearing when you were dating and when you first got married, they become very aggravating. She can look at me sometimes, and I know what she's thinking. I don't even like the way you breathe. Would you just stop breathing? You aggravate me. I don't like the way you breathe. That's just reality, isn't it? So guess what? Here we are. How many, Julie? It'll be 39 in July. Very good. Amen. So here we are, almost 39 down the road. And I can tell you, it takes a lot of work. And can I tell you, that didn't happen by accident. If I want to have a good marriage and she wants to have a good marriage, when we struggled, we went to counseling. When we struggled, we had to sit down and we had to talk about it. When we went through those major traumatic things in our life, we had to sit down and we had to go talk to somebody. We had to talk to each other. Then we had to go sit down and talk to somebody else. Because we were committed to fix it. We were committed to keep it going. And that's not a mistake. That's not trying. Well, I, honey, I'll try to do better. No, you better fix it. You better fix it. Amen? And that means, oh, I got to go to a counselor? Here's, here's what really disturbs me many times about marriage counseling when I do it. I'm like, okay, do you want to make this work? Yes, I do. Do you want to make this work? Yes, I do. All right. I need you all to go to counseling every single week. I need you to get these books. and I need you to answer all the questions at the end of every chapter. And I need you to put the work in. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. I just wanted to come in here and you tell my wife what all she's doing wrong. And then I'd say, see, then we go on our marriage. We'd be better. That ain't the way it works. Amen. And when the other per when one person tells me, oh, well, that's that's too much work. 
well, you don't really want it then. You, you don't want to win the prize. You don't want to have a good marriage. You don't want to be a more godly man because you're not willing to do the work. Look at me, children. Here's your daddy talking. You got to go do the work. You know what I discovered when I married her? All of a sudden, the bills were in my name. All of a sudden, I had to work. I had to go get after it. And I had to provide for her. And we worked together. Now, I'm here to tell you, I had to, that's what was part, that part of growing up. It ain't about you don't work, you don't get paid. Well, guess what? Your life bill don't get paid. It's all up to you. And so you do what you have to do. I tell people all the time, they say, well, I don't, I don't like that job. I don't like that job. It's too hard. I got to be outside. You need to shut up and get to work. I told you I was going to talk to you like your daddy. Why? Because the bills keep coming. I don't care if you don't like it. Now, if you don't like it, better your life. Go find something else. Get better. Go back to school. Get an education. Listen, I, I'm going to make a confession to you. And I've told you this before. I can be lazy about a lot of things. I don't like yard work. When my wife says, and this happened the other day, Mark, we had a storm, a bunch of branches out there, I need you to go pick them up. And I rolled my eyes, didn't I? Because I don't like yard work. But I tell you, here's the type of person I am, and I think probably a lot of people are like this. If it's something I love and it's something I'm serious about, I will commit to it. So I decided I wanted to be a musician. So I went to school for four years, committed myself to go four years, and I got a bachelor's degree in music. Then I decided I wanted to be even better and more educated, know what I was doing, because I wanted to lead people in that. So I went another two years, and I got a master's degree in music. Then after I got that, I went into ministry, and Brother Mike said, you know what, people are crazy. You need some psychology. Boy, was he right. Everybody in here needs some psychology because if you're dealing with people, you need some psychology. So I went back to school, took some psychology classes, some Bible classes to prepare me for ministry. And so guess what? I spent 30 years of my life making a living, leading people in worship. Why? Because I put the time in. I put the commitment in. I went and got myself educated. I did what was necessary to go get it done. Amen? And then I continued to be educated because I wanted to go into ministry and I wanted to help people. So I put in the time there. In other words, if you want it bad enough and it really means something to you, then you will commit to it. But if you don't, you won't. So that tells me the minute somebody says, well, I don't want to go see a counselor. Well, then you really don't want your marriage to work. Well, I don't want to do this. Well, then you don't really want that to happen. You don't really want to change that in your life. Because if you really want it, you will commit to it and you will put the work in. You must put the work in. Now, guess what? I'm by vocation now. I learned a whole nother trade and I went to school for that too. Man, I didn't realize how much I'd gone to school. Uh, but I went and went to school for that too. And so I'm by vocational now. And guess what? Uh, I, very early on in my ministry, I was at little small churches, so I was also by vocational there. I did what I had to do. I, may, I worked in an optometry shop and made glasses. Probably nobody could see that I made their glasses, but I went there because it's the job I could get. 
I worked at Mr. Gaddy's Pizza. You remember where that is? Happy's Fish Place now. I did every single job there because the boss really loved me, had a great relationship with him. And I was going to school, and he would let me just kind of make my schedule around school. And so I, I did everything from make the pizzas, deliver the pizzas, do everything. I didn't necessarily like every job, but I went and I did the work because it's what needed to happen because at the time, to get to the goal of where I was going, I had to do it. All right? Grow up and quit saying, well, I don't like that. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, I don't want to go to counseling. Well, I don't want to get an accountability partner. Well, I don't want to go to uh, Celebrate Recovery or Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous. Then you really don't want to get better. You really don't want to get better. If you're not willing to do the work, you're not will you don't really want to get better. Well, I, I'd really like to change my finances. You, you're going to have to do the work. You're going to get with somebody who can show you how to get out of debt and get out of debt and stay out of debt and then do what you need to do to make your life better. Listen, it ain't rocket science, people. This amount comes in, and this amount goes out. If the going out is bigger than the coming in, you're in trouble. And you need to fix that. <laughs> it ain't rocket science. Amen? It's just X's and O's. If it don't match up, you got to change it, or you'll just go deeper and deeper and deeper. And one day, God will show up with a shovel. Woo! Boy, that's a deep hole. Here you go. Dig yourself out. I'll be right here. I'll help you. I'll give you a little pull every once in a while. But you got to dig yourself out. The problem with a lot of Christian people is we got a lot of children. Got a lot of spiritual children that have never grown up. The Bible talks about that, doesn't it? It says you're still on the milk. You're still on a baby bottle. I can't feed you meat. You need meat, but I can't feed you meat because you can't handle the meat. You're still a baby. This is where the state of the church is today. Right? I'm going to give you these two things, and I'm going to shut up. A couple things you do. Oh, the second thing is training is a wholehearted commitment to achieve a specific result. So two things when you're training, and then I'll, I'll close. Number one, if you're going to train, you go get the gear. What does that mean? You're going to, let's say you're going to do a sport or you're going to do yoga or you're going to do cross training or whatever. So you go to the store and you go buy the right shoes for that sport. You go buy all the right gear, the right socks, the right outfit. You go and get you a nice big water bottle. Uh, you go get your protein shaker where you can shake your protein every day. You go buy all the gear because you've made up your mind. I'm doing it. This year, I'm doing it. Of course, all that stuff being a garage sale six months down the road. But I'm doing it. Can I tell you this? It's no different spiritually. Brother Mark, I want to be a more godly man. I want to be a more godly woman. You need to go get the gear. Get you a Bible that you will read every day. Now, I know we get caught up on, you know, the translations and everything. I like New King James. It's close to the King James, but it's a little easier to read. But if you need to get you something easier to read, what, whatever you will read is the best thing, if you will read it, all right? And get a Bible, get you a journal, find you an accountability partner, find you a counselor, and make yourself better. Work on you. Go get the gear. Can I also say this? Uh, the second thing is you create a game plan. It doesn't just happen. 
Listen, anybody see Rocky? I love Rocky. Now, Rocky's a movie. That's not reality, is it? I don't know that in boxing you go beat a bunch of dead cows and that's how you train, amen? But it's a great movie. It's very inspirational. But if you watch the movie, one of the themes of the movie is, is that Rocky did the impossible because Rocky put in the work. Rocky didn't just show up to fight Apollo Creed. He trained and he trained and he trained to show up to fight Apollo Creed. In the same way, you must train yourself. Get you books. Whatever you're trying to do, get you some books. Read those books. There is no excuse in the age we live in. YouTube videos. Well, I don't read. Well, guess what? There's this thing called YouTube, and you ain't even got to read them anymore. You can just watch videos. Amen? Now, be careful, because there's much crud out there, too. So, make sure you got clear it with somebody who knows and get you some good teaching. But you can get on YouTube. There's apps that you can put on your phone. There's Bible study. There's, uh, there's uh, plans for growing in the Lord. And there are apps on your Bible. Uh, version is a Bible app, but it also has all of these um, plans, these study plans that you can be on. And uh, in the same way that you go get a trainer to become better physically, get you a trainer to be better spiritually. Brother Mark, would you help me? Sure I would. Brother Mark, would you hold me accountable? Sure I would. Now, I'll be accountable as much as you want me to be, hold you accountable. Brother Mark, will you call me every day and ask me if I've read the Bible today? Yeah. Don't lie to me, though. <laughs> Don't lie to me. I ain't got time for that. If you're going to lie to me, amen. But if you want me to hold you, I will hold you accountable. Uh, find somebody that will hold you accountable. Uh, a spouse is a great one. Do you know this? If you and your spouse will commit to pray together, your marriage will become better. You know Why? It's hard to be mad and fight with somebody that's sitting over there across from you praying for you. Now, here's how you pray. You don't say, you better shut up. I'm going, I'm going to pray for you. That is not what I mean. Amen? Well, you're stupid. I'm going to pray the Lord make you smarter. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you get your wife. There she is over there. And I sit in this chair, and I put a chair right there facing me. And we sit together, and we hold hands. And we pray for each other. Because no matter what she has done or said that day, if she's over there praying, Lord, would you bless my husband? Would you bless Mark? Lord, would you help him to be a godly man? Would you? Then it just kind of melts it all away, doesn't it? I, I can't really stay mad at her. And there's something that softens the heart. When we become humble and vulnerable, there's something that melts that hardness. Amen. Get a game plan. We are to train for godliness. You need to have vision. You need to have a goal. You need to have a dream. And you need to have an assignment. You aren't trying. You're training to become who God says you are. You're not trying. You're training to become who God says you are. See, God's already told you, you're my child. You're a son and daughter of the king. Now, what I need you to do is I need you to live like it. I need you to put yourself in a position where you will bless people, that my name will be glorified. Because the ultimate purpose of your life, I created you to bring glory to my name. So I need you to do that. Every head bowed, every eye closed, the band's going to come. I would say this, where are you at? 2024, where are you at? 
Are you where you need to be? What areas do you need to work on? Because the reality is we've all got areas we need to work on, if we're honest. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you, if you're not where you need to be, give it to the Lord. Commit yourself to him the first time or recommit to him. And pray this prayer with me in your heart, mind, and spirit. Say, dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I've tried to fix things myself, and I just make a mess of them. And Lord, I need you. I need to commit to you. I need to mature in you. I need to put in the work. And Lord, right now, I, I believe you died on that cross for my sins. Best way I know how, I ask you to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and save me. Lord, I want you to not only be the Savior of my life, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And I want you to take control so I can be the mature, godly man or woman that you've called me to be. Now, here you head bowed, every eye closed, wouldn't embarrass you. But if you prayed that prayer, would you just slip up a hand so I could pray for you? Amen. Thank you. Never a better time than today. Never a better time to start things than today. It's never too late. So this altar's open. If you want somebody to pray over you, I'll be here to pray over you. If you just need to come to the altar and pray, you come. If you need to join the church, whatever your need is, Father, have your will in your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. You come as you need to as we sing. appreciate your attention today. I know the preacher went a little bit long. I'll have a talk with him. All right. See if we can fix that. Um, but uh, I do want to get you out of here because I know the weather is going to get a little uh, dicier today. We always like to end uh, with a time of worship. And this song says, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. How many of you need the Lord? Sure we do. We all do. Let's, let's end as we sing this together. Amen.
that spoke to you today. I hope you're not too mad at me. I didn't mean to get in your face like that. Uh, but hey, I just, uh, I ain't your daddy. I know I'm not your daddy. So uh, if that was too hard on you, just disregard all that. Amen. We're so glad for you this morning. Uh, I go home, be safe, stay safe. Uh, if you don't need to get out, don't get out. And uh, we'll let you know about Wednesday. It's kind of just Monday, Tuesday. We'll see how Wednesday is. Uh, but God bless you. Uh, go and enjoy the rest of your day. Go Cowboys.